It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom with Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, I tell you how the Vikings are risking their sleep number partnership with their London plan. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk. Apparently, I'm the best gambler of the group. Later today, I'll give you the lock of the week. <laughs> this is Arriva Sound of Pro Football Network. I am reporting in London for King and Country. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. I will soon be in London, and I will hunt a reef down. All of that and so much more coming up on a London-centric Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. Plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Hello, hello, hello. It's the Minnesota football party. Welcome in. My name's Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, joined by the usual group. It's Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk at Luke underscore Spinman. It's Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. He's in London at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings at Luke Braun NFL. Today, I've got so many good stats to share, so many topics. Is Garrett Bradbury good? Why is Justin Jefferson getting shut down? What Saints players are going to be injured in this game? But remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube, and we're also on the all-new Amazon Fire and Roku Locked On Sports Minnesota apps. Download and watch us literally all day long. Um, Arif is in London. Your reception is surprisingly good. Welcome in, Arif, from abroad. What time is it there? Uh, I don't know, like 4.30 or something like that. I don't really keep track of those kinds of things. What time is it? Time, not, never time is a flat circle. Time right. is an yeah. illusion, okay? <laughs> and Luke Braun, when are you headed over? What's your plan? I will be leaving tonight, getting there somewhere around dinner time at 4.30, Hmm. And trying my best to avoid that, the uh, horrific Kirk Cousins miracle. I, I have to find that. Someone in the replies mentioned where that is, so I'm going to have to hunt that down. Oh, my God. The what? mural? Oh, it's, beautiful. Kirk yeah. Cousins mural. Hey, LeBron has one in Cleveland. Kirk has one in London. It looks like he's yeah, in Equally pain. important figures to those respective cities, of course. Yes. Hey, last time he was there, he tied. Oh, <laughs> I've heard. Like I've, I've heard there has been. He's a, 0 and um, one. He's five hundred yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There is, it there doesn't is matter. Nothing more British than that, right? A draw. Like yeah. I've, I've they, heard they uh, to a draw. That's extremely I, British. Arif, I've heard the, the the Vikings fans have traveled pretty well over there. Um, have you seen a lot of purple when you're out on the streets compared to uh, how many Saints fans are over there right now, too? No, I've I haven't seen any. Like. Okay, so here's the thing. No. There are a lot of Vikings fans in, in the United Kingdom. Um, it's like a top five fan base here. Um, but, like, there's just, like, a lot of people in London. And so you're just not going to get that many, uh, you know, Vikings fans walking around the street. I've seen, uh, you know, maybe three or four walking around the street, which is, I guess I haven't seen any Saints fans. But so I guess in that sense, they outnumber them like five to zero or infinity to none, right? Like it's 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 clearly an overwhelming favorite. But um, you, for the most part, you're just not seeing any American football fans. I saw somebody um, was playing the, uh, the Bills-Dolphins game on the train the other day, and I was like, that's wild is he like an american that's just like here or is he like a, a fan or whatever and he had like a bill's phone case when he turned around he was wearing a bill's shirt so i'm gonna assume that he's like living it up this week he's a, a british person who finally gets to watch football in person and he's just having the time of his life but yeah i mean it's you know most of the time people are here they're they're asking me questions like i know where stuff is it's just wild i, I don't know man the people here have like you fit right in london has not progressed as a society, the people here are lost, they're confused, and they don't know about American football. 
So, Arif, you said you can't sleep. And Luke Braun, yeah, we're going to use you as a test case because, Luke Braun, you're basically on the level of athlete that the Vikings are, more or less, give or take. So if uh, you yeah, sure. struggle, you're yeah. on the Vikings travel schedule. So if you struggle to, like, get with the time and shake the jet Are you lag, replicating the Vikings travel schedule one for one? Is this, that... is, is this for a story or a podcast? Like, almost, no. It's just I, my flight just happened to be about <laughs> two hours after the Vikings flight takes off. Well, we're giving you a story. Take it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm like actually kind of curious. Like, like how tired during the am I hours the Vikings Sunday? practice, you should go for a run for that exact amount of time, <laughs> so that you're going through the athletic paces that right. they are. You should have a strict and then, and curfew then you're on Saturday night. If your athletic capability a week from now is, or a week from next Sunday ah. is at the high level it needs to be, because that's the yes. important part, right? Like that was the whole reason, right? So that right. their circadian rhythm is not too interrupted when they come back. So you have to practice and, and work out next yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well, Luke. That's all you have to do. Yeah, it's important for the story. Yeah, yeah. Work out, and we will take into account. I definitely, will do consecutive days. Yeah, yeah. And there's two hours of of debt Lift. that that Luke has in addition because he's coming from the West Coast. So mm -hmm. right. we'll take we'll, we'll weight it a little bit differently, but that sounds like a good project for Luke. Here's my first question to kick off the show: Is Garrett Bradbury good? Now, he is sixth in pro football focus center rankings. He is sixth in run blocking. He's 24th in pass blocking. Is this a turning over of a new leaf for Garrett Bradbury? Luke Inman. Man, I mean, heading into the year, the interior O-line was a lot of people's number one concern. If this offense was going to work, Kirk needs a clean pocket. If you were to tell me through three weeks, PFF Scott Bradbury with a nearly 70 grade in the sixth best center, as you mentioned, the NFL, I think a lot of people would have either slapped you or maybe kissed you, Sam. I mean, Bradbury and this offensive line, just as a whole, has been, I think, by far the biggest surprise in a good way for the Vikes. Brian O'Neill, number one tackle and pass block win rate in the NFL. Him and Derisaw, fourth and seventh best tackles and run block win rate. But just as a whole, this entire unit, third in the NFL in pass block win rate, six overall in run block win rate. So it's not just one or two guys right now. Maybe the Derrissaw hype was real. Maybe O'Neill starts to get recognized as one of the better right tackles in the league. Ezra's been solid. But all of all of them, you're right, Sam, I think, um, you know, expectations going in, uh, maybe no bigger surprise than Bradbury, how well he's held up thus far. And it's been, what, over a decade plus? you got to go all the way back to the Brett Favre era in 09 when fans have been able to say they feel good about this offensive line. So, I mean, maybe give props to Quasey for rolling the dice on Bradbury thus far through three weeks, taking a swing on Ingram uh, so early in the draft. But probably got to write Rick Spielman a little thank you card, too, for hitting on O'Neal and Derrissaw and Ezra. Um, but Bradbury, is he good? I mean, uh, I, I think that's a little bit of a reach right now, Sam, but certainly we'll take what we can get a lot better than our expectations heading into the season. It's not like the bar was that high to clear. He well, was, that's the thing. It, right, because he's always been pretty good at run blocking. He just needed to not be atrocious, Arif, as a pass blocker. He's 24th out of, out of 38. That's not great. It's not atrocious, but it's good enough to at least pass the eye test and he's now surrounded by, like, Cleveland is 20th. I think Ingram is 45th. And the tackles have both been really good, which spits out a pretty decent offensive line that I think is fourth in run blocking, 15th in pass blocking. Uh, when you say, like, Cleveland is 20th, that's among all guards, right? So that's different than Correct. not 80th among centers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. uh, that is a substantially better ranking than the equivalent for centers. I, I would say, no, he's not good right now, but he is a little bit better than he was last year, I think. Um, it reflects kind of his career, that he's been a really good run blocker, that he's been a liability as a pass protector. He's a little bit less of a liability as a pass protector right now. He seems to be a little bit better of a run blocker uh, than he was in the past. I think also the Vikings are putting him in a little bit better of a position. Um, the problem, of course, is that Ed Ingram is now receiving like a majority of the uh, attention that opposing defensive lines are giving the interior and he is not, you know, uh, you know, hitting the call, right? Like he's not, he's not doing what he needs to do. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that Garrett Bradbury is like good right now. I'd say that, you know, he's better than we expected him to be. Like you said, that that's a pretty low bar, but I think he'll continue to be a liability for the Vikings. Still, uh, not as good as JC Treader, Luke Braun, but it's been all right. 
<laughs> I wonder what JC Treader weighs now, like after just a few weeks of not being in NFL conditioning. You think it's higher um, or lower? Low. Oh, it's probably way lower. Look yeah, at Alex Boone, Um Yeah, crazy. One of the things that PFF doesn't adjust for, and they purposefully don't adjust for this and they have their reasons for it, is degree of difficulty. Like, they won't give more credit for a more difficult job just because working that into their process would probably introduce more noise than it's worth. So it's something we have to, like, kind of think about. Um, and I think things have been easier for Bradbury this year. He is the same guy he's always been. So my answer to, is he good? Not actionably. We're not extending him, right? Like, that's not... <laughs> we're still letting him walk and it's a matter of like who's picking him up in free agency that's what he's playing for Panthers. Right um oh my god yeah they took um, Elfline they took Khalil <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, hey, they once had apparently rubbers. there's no, apparently Elfline's not having the worst year anyways Elfline the, hasn't uh, been bad so far yeah it was wild <laughs> for Elfline I digress yeah. he's got his highlights which is <laughs> the more point than is had. <laughs> yeah, Bradbury's job has been easier. They have asked less of him, which to me doesn't mean he's a better player, but it will reflect in a better grade. Um, a big thing in pass pro that I've noticed, as inconsistent as Ed Ingram has been, he's been really good at helping Bradbury. Really good at looking for work, lighting guys up in the middle, um, and helping Bradbury, especially in like anchor situations, one-on-one. -on -one. He's not getting bull rushed back because Ed Ingram's just lighting the guy up, and now you don't have to. Um that is something that he's been really good at and consistent elsewhere. Um, but that's the, just the kind of stuff you miss with like just a PFF grade because they don't adjust for everything and they don't want to. And I don't even think they're wrong not to adjust for that. That That's and a great now... point by Luke too. And that was going to be my question to you guys. I think we can agree that Ingram, certainly some, some, some highlights and some lowlights, inconsistent, what you'd expect from a rookie, but probably overall better than Oliudo's been from last year. How much of Bradbury's sure. success has to do to play with, you know, now it seems like two really solid guards compared to, again, what he played with uh, last year. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that obviously helps quite a bit, right? Uh, it can, but really it, it speaks more to, I think, what Braun was saying about um, how you don't really adjust for a degree of difficulty. And in, in this sense that PFF does like give you a better grade for doing a more difficult job well, but they don't give you a better grade for doing it against somebody like Aaron Donald versus somebody uh, like Sharif Floyd, right? Um, like it's, maybe that wasn't a great example. Floyd is actually a pretty good player, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that- Sharif Floyd uh, now. Right, yeah, Sharif Floyd right <laughs> now with, you know, his, his hamstring not firing, yeah. Um, I, I, I would think that um, they they do, like, if, if you're always helping out on a double team and you're pretty good at working with double teams, you'll end up with a pretty good grade, even though it gives you less of a good grade to do so, right? And so if that is one of the adjustments that the team is making, which is not really an accurate assessment of what's actually happening, but like if that's an adjustment the team is making and he's never put in a bad position, they are not say they're not doing what like pollsters do to weight demographics and say, hey, we oversampled this demographic, so we'll undersample it in the final thing. That's not what PFF does, right? Um, you have 31 blocking snaps. Maybe those are less valuable than pass blocking snaps, but they count just as much as the 30 snaps of the entirety of the game. And so um, it is like, it's a, it's a really difficult statistical set of concepts to explain for what PFF does, which is basically saying yes or no to each individual play. But um, I would say that like, yeah, I, I think that um, it helps given that they've got a little bit more talent at guard. I think Ezra Cleveland's gotten a little bit better, which is nice to see. I think, you know, obviously Ed Ingram is an upgrade over Ole Udo. Not that that is a very difficult bar to clear. And having those um, assets available to them allows them to design plays in a way that then minimizes the impact of Bradbury. Not to necessarily help Bradbury out, they're not in the business of, you know, making sure his contract is better, but to make sure that there's less interior pressure overall for Kirk Cousins. And so, um, are they accomplishing that goal? Yeah, kind of, I would say so, but it's still a, a pretty significant problem, and you can't scheme your way out of the fact that two of those three interior offensive linemen are currently a problem, you know, which is not to say Ingram was a bad pick. Um, I, I, I think it was for reasons that are unrelated to his play, um, or that Ingram, you know, won't eventually turn into a good player, but you're not going to be able to scheme your way out of the fact that two of those three guys are liabilities. I think it's um, worth mentioning, too, um, that they are asking a lot of Christian Derrissaw 
and it's not a problem. Yes, they're putting which on is islands. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like almost as much as anyone in the league is put on islands. Mm-hmm. And that means that the double teams can shift down the line a little bit more. They didn't do that with Riley Reef. Um, so yeah, that and, and one way that you can kind a, of identify this, the Packers will do this as David Good Bakhtiari. Point. They'll split Derisaw a couple of inches or maybe even a whole foot wide of the rest of the line. Um, and yeah. and that really allows them to isolate individual defensive linemen. It, it makes the job really difficult for uh, the left tackle, but it makes things a lot easier for Cousins, who's a slightly larger pocket as a result of this. Makes it a lot easier for for uh, you know Delvin Cook or Alexander Madison, as the case may be. Um, it's it, it has a lot of benefits, but it's so hard to do. And so you know that's something to take into account as well. Yeah. So this is the part of the show where Sam pours cold water on the whole conversation. So we all agree that last year's line, bad at pass blocking, right? Mm-hmm. Just like that's the that's the agreement. Sure. So through three weeks last year, this is with Rashad Hill, so downgrade that's from right. Christian Derrissaw, yeah. and Ole Udo, which is probably a downgrade from Ingram. Um, Ole Udo had last... a good pass protection overall in week one against the Bengals. It was just all the penalties that hurt him. He was heavily penalized. Pancake so... J.J. Watt once, all right? Yeah, hey. So this crown. Let me get the stat out. Let me get the stat. I've got a stat. (laughs) Last year through three weeks, Vikings pressure rate allowed 27%. We agree that was a bad offensive line. They ended the year 34%, so it got much worse. So this Uh year's pressure rate through three games, 35%. Higher than a bad offensive line last year. Say what? Does that include unblocked? Because there's been a lot of free rushers, a lot of like misset protections. That's a that's something I've been like. Yeah. So well, it, it depends. About. Sam, are you looking at pressure rate as it relates to the quarterback through three weeks, or pressure rate as it relates to the offensive line through three weeks? Because PFF yeah. has different um, like efficiency percentages for for both of those positions. These are great questions to be asking. <clears throat> Frog in my throat is going to be a problem. Uh, that is the quarterback pressure rate. So that could be okay. Irv okay. Smith whiffing. That could be Alexander Madison whiffing. But I'm just saying that It could be Kirk Cousins failing through... to adjust the protection to... Mm-hmm. Could be on Kirk. Which it I'm just feels like has been a problem. Three weeks, through three weeks last year, they were in a pretty good spot as well. So things can change. This, and this, is, what I, this is what I want to say about clear. that. Kirk Cousins is one of the most blitz quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's not necessarily a product of you know cousins ability against the blitz although he's done a very poor job for three weeks against the blitz but rather the the people that he's gone up against jonathan gannon blitzed a lot yeah for the eagles the detroit lions just blitz that's like who they are as an organization mm-hmm. yeah uh, and so he's been blitzed a lot which means that there's more unblocked rushers which means that there's going to be more pressure which is not the fault of the offensive line so i will say that i do think the offensive line is better i also think pressure rate is just a very difficult stat to fully contextualize, right? I think that, you know, I, I fell into yeah. this trap when we were talking about Teddy Bridgewater a lot. You know, he was the most pressured quarterback in the NFL for, I think, two of his three years um, as, a, as a starter for a significant period of time. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he just held on to the ball a very long time. And Kirk Cousins does that too, but that's more a product of, you know, heavy play action rates, which we haven't seen actually at all this year. Um, there hasn't been a ton of play action, so we'll see how that changes. But um, I, those things all play a role, which don't really tell you how good or, or how poorly the offensive line is pass protecting. Um, I think the Vikings actually come out all right when you look at ESPN's pass block win rate, which to some extent does control for all of these things that, that I've been talking about. I don't have it in front of me, and I'm too lazy to look it up right now. But um, the, the Vikings look better through three weeks in pass block win rate uh, than, uh, than they did um, through three weeks last year, because I remember last year the pass block win rate was atrocious. Okay. And this is why Arif is on the show, to poke holes in my negativity. So, And people say Arif's the negative one. Optimistic Look at that, Look at that argument he just spun. <laughs> Unreal. Hey, betonline.net continues to be your source for football betting info this season. NCAA football lines, NFL football lines. Vikings favored by two and a half in London. It's moving around between three and two and a half. I would get it at two and a half, so then you win when the Vikings win by a field goal. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all sports wagering info. And you've got MMA, boxing, and golf as well. Plus, last week, the MLB season. 
Uh, see if the Twins, uh, you can get some, some juicy Twins lines and get in on the action before their season's over. Head to betonline.net on your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And, hey, make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota as well on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. It's free and available or on the Amazon Fire Roku apps. A conversation I want to have about Justin Jefferson. He has been more or less shut down two weeks in a row. Where do you give the fault in that? JJ, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell, other factors. Where do you assign, I guess, the percentage of blame? Luke Inman, start with you. Yeah, I feel like the last two weeks, it's not one guy or one thing. Kirk, just in general, maybe a little bit more panicky in the pocket, maybe not seeing the field as as well as we're used to. He's not pulling the trigger when guys are there. I think that'll get better with time, learning this new offense. Darius Slay had maybe, I don't know, a game of his life week two. Got to give a little credit there. Obviously, defenses are just going to key in on J.J. and say, we're not going to let Jefferson beat us. And until they can put a bunch of chunk plays on tape to Thielen or K.J. or Irv Smith, whoever it may be, and and force defenses to go back and watch the tape and scheme against that as well. I think you'll see the same bracket and double coverage. It's, you know, on KOC and Kirk to get the ball to those open guys in those situations. I think honestly, though, out of all the different factors and variables, I think for me, KOC and the play calling specifically should be near the bottom of the list, in my opinion. I'm going to take the opposite track here. I think that KOC is a lot at blame, but I think primarily it, it shouldn't really be a question of, you know, whose fault is it that Justin Jefferson is shut down if it's not Jefferson's fault? And I don't think it is, right? And if it's the case that he's getting shut down and then it's not his fault, you know, what should the team's response be? And it should be to distribute the ball to the other passers or the other receivers um, because that's, you know, how you win games, right? Because the goal is not to get Justin Jefferson 150 yards. It's to win the game. Um, and as, as Luke Braun so eloquently tweeted, you know, the Lions gave up the game in order to stop Justin Jefferson. That should be the goal of the Vikings, that when you shut down Justin Jefferson, you start distributing the ball elsewhere. Now, I think a lot of that's on Kirk Cousins, right? You know, he should be able to throw the ball elsewhere. That'll rotate coverages and stuff like that. But I think in terms of making sure that Justin Jefferson continues to be a, an impact or a factor in the game, a lot of that does have to do on, with KOC. I think that, you know, his goal in the Lions game was to try and free up coverage for Jefferson by sliding Thielen across. He was moving Thielen around a lot. And to try and peel, you know, various cornerbacks off of Jefferson. And that just wasn't working because they kept on adjusting to, to reorient themselves towards Jefferson. When you distribute the ball more to players like Thielen, players more like uh, KJ Osborne, you know, that that's going to open up. You're going to be able to get back to Jefferson. And so that's a little bit on Kirk. But I think that in terms of hiding Jefferson or protecting him or finding ways to give him the ball, I think a lot of that does fall on play design and KOC. But again, they don't care if Justin Jefferson is shut down. They care about winning the game. The goal should be that for every yard you lose from Jefferson getting shut down, you should get a yard and a half mm -hmm. elsewhere. So if Jefferson was going to have a 150-yard game, you should be able to get, um, you know, 175, 200, 250 yards from, uh, you know, the combination of Irv Smith, Thielen, and Osborne that wouldn't have been there if Jefferson wasn't shut down. It kind of reminds me of when Seattle triple-teamed Stephon Diggs and double-teamed Adam Thielen on the same play, and Kirk Cousins had nothing to do because the Vikings were only running two receivers and routes on that play. You know, just, like, figure it out and put more receivers into pass patterns, and then Cousins has to, you know, take it upon him to, to actually read the progression and go through with it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's not a bad thing unless you can't find Thielen and Osborne. Then it becomes a bad thing, but that's the bad thing. Both the Eagles and the Lions sold out. Like, they put everything. They put both their safeties, get um, safety over the top on one side, a safety looking to poach anything that comes across the field on the other side, a corner playing underneath. Um, a In the Eagles game, there was some man-to-man -man where Justin Jefferson just, like, lost the route to Darius Slay. Like, fair enough. Um, but, like... In this last game, at least against the Lions, saying like whose fault it is implies that it was a bad thing. But if you just let the Lions sell out to stop Justin Jefferson and then they lose the game to KJ Osborne at the end of it, okay, like what are you changing there? That that's I think one of the primary reasons the Vikings won that game and were able to make both of those comebacks is because Adam Thielen was one on one on like every third down major clutch situation. And he was able to either beat Mario Horroye or um, or Amani or draw the penalty, and or yeah, or draw a penalty. Come on, it's not hard. Horroye, <laughs> I'm struggling. Uh, <laughs> it's not, uh, but like, yeah, it was. 
that that easy for for Thielen to get open. Um, that's kind of what it starts coming down to is the other players. If you can find the other players, if anything, this could be a good thing. This could favor us, and other teams may not want to keep doing that if they don't feel like they have players mm-hmm. that can cover Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne one on one, which the Lions did not. Um, the if you can't win one on one with Thielen and Osborne or if Cousins can't find those guys, then everything falls apart. But then you're blaming someone for that. Yeah, I did, I think it started looking how it should look in those last two touchdown drives, where it took until then to get Thielen and Osborne involved. And that pivot does need to happen faster. Now, to prepare for this, I went and looked at other receivers that we often associate with the best in football to see how often they get, quote-unquote, shut down. Now, my arbitrary benchmark for being shut down is less than five catches and less than 50 yards. Do we agree that that's a good benchmark? You have to agree because that's the research I did. All right. (laughs) So I'm here to validate your research. Thank you, Arif. Thank you. Since 2020, when Justin Jefferson came into the league, he has been shut down five times. Okay. Fifth being against Detroit. Cooper Cup, last two years including, you know, this year as well. So 2020, same time frame. He's been shut down four times. So really not that dissimilar. Jamar Chase last year, five times, and that's only one year. Um, Devontae Adams is a unicorn. He's only been shut down three times going back to 2019. Uh, Tyreek Hill last year, four times, and then again this year, once in 2020, so six total. So more than Justin Jefferson. So the point being, I don't know if there's any reason to be concerned. Guys get shut down. It happens. And he is being shut down less than some of the elite receivers in football. It ebbs and flows. You put up 180 yards in one game, the next team is going to do some stuff about that. And then you go a couple of quiet games, and then the next team might not do as much stuff about that. Maybe the Saints won't quite sell out Mm -hmm. as much as the Lions did here in this London game. And then he'll be able to put up over 100 yards again. It's just kind of how the game goes. But he was on a 3,000-yard um, pace. Now we don't have that. <laughs> this is very sad. Yes. <laughs> do we have the new pace? What are we at now? I don't know. You have, what, like, 60 yards combined over these past two games? So, you know, do that, man. So I'm literally just not five, going to... Like 1,300, 1,400? A tragedy. Those are rookie numbers. Ugh, Those are rookie it. numbers. Uh, quite literally his those, rookie numbers get those numbers up uh <laughs> nerdy nerdy stat of the day um i've got one if you guys want to scramble to find yours so 40 games all time internationally home teams which means nothing but that's why it's a nerdy stat home teams all time internationally 16 23 and one of course Kirk cousins was involved in the one but it bodes well for the Vikings. The visitors are uh, clearly at an advantage when traveling overseas. 1394, Meaningful. by the way, which is exactly his over-under. Amazing. Are you kidding me? Uh, 1394. On the half, nose. The... On the nose. He's on pace. Whoa. Vegas is good. Nerdy stats? What about the Saints? Go, yeah, go for it. Um, Great. Thank you. <laughs> I lost it, so I had to pick it back up. Uh, okay, so <laughs> in the Carolina game, which was an offensive catastrophe. Their offense is, like, broken. Uh, in Carolina, they had this comes from uh, NOLA Analytics, a Twitter account. They had five pass plays on first down in the first three quarters that turned into negative EPA, so unsuccessful first down pass plays. Every single time they ran the ball. And that set up four third and sixes and a third and 11. On those five plays alone, they suffered minus 2.3 EPA. Uh, They seem to be a team that gets spooked when first down goes poorly and wants to run it in a similar vein to Mike Zimmer. Defensive head coaches. (laughs) Clearly that's the thing that's happening here. Take that, Dennis Allen. 
Um, okay, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll choose one that, like, clearly I didn't prepare for this segment, but, you know, we'll, we'll suit the purposes of my narratives anyway. Uh, 47.7, that's Kirk Cousins' passer rating when blitzed. It's the worst passer rating he's ever had when blitzed. He's normally much better against the blitz than he has been this year. He's also been one of the more blitzed quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, that is very similar to the passer rating that we see from much maligned quarterback, and fairly so, Justin Fields, whose passer rating is 37 under the blitz. Now, there are some good quarterbacks who have a poor passer rating under blitz. That's Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert. Now, sometimes that is a product of the weird formula the passer rating uses. It does not um, respect a high yards per attempt when you have a low completion rate. It overweights interceptions. It doesn't account for when a player uh, drops a pass that gets turned into an interception. And so you can take a look at, say, PFF grade and see if maybe that looks a little bit better or worse under the blitz. And, oh, my God, Kirk Cousins ranks 31st in that as well. So um, for some reason this year, he is doing a very poor job against the blitz. That might have something to do with his level of preparation. It might have something to do with the timing within the offense. It might have something to do with what Kevin O'Connell is doing, giving him, you know, in terms of those tools. But that's something that needs to be corrected because he's going to continue mm -hmm. to be blitzed time and time until he figures that out because the book on Kirk Cousins has always been fairly or not, and the numbers didn't really support this to the degree that people thought, that he will fold under pressure, right? That has been the book on him. It's not necessarily accurate in the same way that people think, but this year it has been mm -hmm. the case, and, and I think that teams are going to jump at that opportunity. Mm. Wow. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Dang. You don't have uh, found this one from Jason Fitzgerald over at OverTheCap.com. Vikings <laughs> rank just... 31st in the league in salary cap tied into their IRR, which is 3.7 mil, sitting on injured reserve. Only hey, big names, I guess. B BC Johnson, yeah. um, Kenny Willekes, Ryan Conley. All things considering, pretty great compared to the league average, which is about 17, 18 mil. Titans lead the league with 47 mil. They just put Taylor Lewan on the IR. They got Harold Landry hurt. Lions are second worst in the league. They just put Tracy Walker now on the IR. Uh, three of their, or two of their top three rookies, Jamison Williams, Josh Pascal's on the IR. Packers are right behind the bikes at 30th. So even though they've been banged up early, uh, they're sitting pretty when it comes to season-long injuries. Bears are 19th with 13.9 mil. But, you know, all in all, three weeks into the season, no major long-term injuries when it comes to, you know, big names and starters for the bikes. Remember, one of the first things Quasi and KOC did was bring Rams executive director, player health personnel, and performance Tyler Williams, who had a, a really good track record. I mean, almost a phenomenal track record, keeping his teams healthy. So, so far, so good if you're a Vikes fan on the injury uh, departments. Uh, obviously, you got to knock on wood after that one. Tyler Williams really put it on the line yesterday saying how the Vikings sleep plan is going to help them win on Sunday and the sleep number beds are going to be in. Um, they better be ready. I mean, they're putting the sleep number partnership at risk right now because the Saints have been comfy there for a few days. Um, but digressing to injuries, and, you know, because Luke mentioned it, I think we should talk about the injuries in this game. Zadarius so Smith, DNP yesterday, CJ Ham, DNP, Dalvin Cook, DNP, and also Andrew Booth. Shouldn't he have been on the IR if he's going to miss three weeks? Like, I wonder if this is the first it's example of Andrew Booth. Way. But hurt, but he was hurt in week one. So it would have made sense to put him on the IR <clears throat> after week one, miss three games, and then come back. So yeah, it makes what me I'm wonder... saying is that the, the, the IR return rule reverted back to four weeks from three weeks. It did. So See, they the must Vikings have thought that an example he had a chance. Yeah. So they must have thought he had a chance to play this, this one, then it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Okay. Which it seems um, like concerns about the Vikings injury situation. In terms of like you know Zedarius Smith, it, you know my understanding is that he'll be full go and ready to play, and that is the injury that you know catches my ear the most when you list them off. And so uh, that's the only one, right? They don't have a bunch of depth there, um, but we haven't seen Andrew Booth play for a while. We haven't seen um, you know some of these players you know make a big impact for the Vikings. So I'm not like that concerned. Um, plus, if you take a look at the Saints injury report, it's a battlefield, man. That looks way worse. Right. Man, you know, Jameis Winston's not ready. Michael Thomas, seemed, uh, you know, was participating. Jarvis Landry was on the injury report like that is uh, Ryan Ramchick. I, I don't think participated. Two of their top I mean, the five tackles or linemen. Yeah. Yeah. Ramchick and yeah. Andres Pete. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like it's it's brutal what's going on with the Saints injury mm -hmm. report on um, the Vikings. One seems pretty mild in comparison. If Sidarius Smith is full go, then that's. Uh, 
probably the biggest concern. And then the other thing is mm-hmm. just what's up with Dalvin Cook's shoulder because a lot of the big plays the Saints have given up um, in these first three games have been sort of after the catch or after a run, like second level pursuing, failing in the open field. And Dalvin Cook is really good at setting that kind of thing up. So I would love to see Dalvin Cook play in this game. Um, but yeah, if, if the shoulder's not right, it's not right. One to watch, but definitely watching the Zadarius Smith thing closer. I'd be happy to see him go. Yep, yep. Hard not to say Cook because obviously he's electric. He's a game changer. But I think a lot of people got a lot of confidence in Madison right now. So I'm I'm with you guys. I'll say Zadarius getting that pass rush going against whichever quarterback plays here, whether it's Jameis or Andy Dalton, probably some Taysom Hill packages in there is going to be vital, obviously, for this defense success. Although I will say, I think a lot of people are just chomping at the bit here to see Andrew Booth Jr. out there in this secondary. They need just kind of a shot of just some youth, some fresh legs, some rejuvenation I know could help that back end. So of the healthy Saints or the unhealthy Saints, we don't know who's going to play or not, who would you remove from the Saints to benefit the Vikings if you could? I'm not saying they're going to have a terrible injury. Just like in a mythical world, remove them from the Saints equation uh, who would you choose? Who would you pick Taysom out of Hill. that team? Taysom, <laughs> who gave them fits. I still remember the playoff game. Taysom Hill that running roughshod on that defense, Ugh. and you were actually thankful when Drew Brees was under center. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, quarterback ninety nine percent of the time, I think, is the answer here. Uh, but Jameis has played so bad as of late. Clearly, not the same with that back injury. Uh, so maybe you do hope he does start Sunday. Honestly, I'll go with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, one of maybe a handful of cornerbacks in the league you could call probably a shutdown kind of guy. He's been so good the last few years. When they played the Bucks in week two and he got ejected, uh, it completely changed the game defensively for the Saints. If they're able to match up with J.J. one-on-one, we talk about all this extra attention defenses are giving J.J. and not give all that attention this Sunday because of Lattimore – it could make things pretty difficult for Kirk and KOC. So Lattimore would be my choice. Um, linebacker Demario Davis would probably be in the mix too. Yeah, I think um, I I wholeheartedly agree with uh, with, with Inman here. Uh, Lattimore is absolutely my choice. Um, I you know that as soon as I saw that on the on the segment schedule, I you know that was the name that came into my head immediately, given how well he's been playing. You know this mm-hmm. year. Also, you know. Uh, Obviously, like like Luke said, you would think about the quarterback situation, but you know the backup quarterback for the Saints um, is not Taysom Hill. Uh, it's Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton obviously has eviscerated the Vikings recently. And we also know that the Vikings are bad against backup quarterbacks for some reason. You know, new coach, new regime. Maybe that's not the case. But you know, if the Vikings are gonna lose, I'd much rather they lose to Jameis Winston than Andy Dalton because the Saints have determined that Winston's a better quarterback. Now, I know there has been a lot of chatter in the Saints fandom that Andy Dalton should replace Winston. That's how poorly Winston's been playing. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it would be slightly better for them if if Jameis Winston um, were to play, but I think Lattimore is going to have the biggest impact on the game. And I know that Vikings fans um, who have not been following the Saints this year will be shouting, you know, at the screens if you're watching on YouTube or shouting into the podcast, Alvin Kamara, right, because of, you know, all that he's done to to the Vikings. Um, But he is having a really bad year this year. I think that's a combination of how that offense is being designed and also how bad that offensive line is playing. So you're saying the 2017 running back draft class is starting to wear down. That's that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, what about the guy who's going to help Mike Thomas tremendously, assuming that Michael Thomas is helping him play? Chris Olave. That's a good one. Yeah, Chris Olave, who leads year. rookies in receiving yards. Average depth of target, 19.3. Woo! Uh, two, two, three, nine yards per route run. He's having a great start to the season. Only three games, but uh, he's uh, he's dangerous. And if he and Thomas are both threats out there, I worry about this porous Viking secondary. That's an issue for me. Yeah, right. uh, Ramchek obviously a Pro Bowl right tackle, but Daniil Hunter's actually had pretty good success against him in the past. But um, yeah, having your two starting wide receivers on the injury report didn't practice, and then your two starting offensive linemen on the injury report, plus your starting quarterback. Yeah, uh, Arif mentioned it. I mean, the Saints are in serious trouble right now, just from an injury and health standpoint. We've got Ron Johnson coming up momentarily, our guest today. He joins us every Thursday before he does. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube here. Leave a comment down below which saint 
scares you the most in Sunday's game. Give us a final score prediction. Like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, Locked on Sports Minnesota for this show, Superior Sports Talk, Ron Johnson, the postcast, all of our programming. Uh, let me get a conversation going as Ron Johnson joins and he can he can jump in. A little old guy update. I think a big talking point going into the season was how are the vets going to hold up? New scheme, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, even Eric Hendricks is getting up there in years. Um, how do you feel like they have fared? Because I feel like this defense succeeding is dependent on some of those guys playing to their full potential or, or close to it. Luke Braun, your thoughts on that? I feel like to really answer this in like a, the old guy from the old guy angle, I have to ignore coverage busts a little bit, Ch changes the answer a lot because I think miscommunications have been all over this defense. Nobody is free of sin. Um, <laughs> Patrick Peterson's been burned down the sideline more often than he was last year. I think this is definitely the last year for him. Um, Eric Kendricks, he's busted a lot of coverages, but he's also made a lot of plays. Um, and some of those coverage busts, it's hard to know if that actually is his fault or if it's a younger player's fault. So that's also kind of why, like, maybe set that aside, you know, different topic. Mm -hmm. um, Harrison Smith is a very central piece of that defense. They're doing a lot of things to make him, like, a weak side quarter safety, which in a lot of the defensive coverages means he's the guy roaming. He'll be the guy that's either assigned to cover a running back, and then if that running back isn't running a route, uh, poach something. Look at the quarterback's eyes. Go make a play. Go be Harrison Smith. Um, it's what a Troy and kind of did roving around. That's when they were running quarters. Yeah, and it's not unlike the job Harrison Smith has had in Zimmer defenses yeah. too. Um, so yeah, that I, I don't have really a problem with Harrison Smith. I have a specific problem with Eric Kendricks that might be understandable or might not even be his fault. And Patrick Peterson's been burned one too many times for my liking, but I don't think catastrophic. There's the doorbell. It's Ron Johnson joining us his Thursday appearance at three Ron Johnson on Twitter. You can hear the Ron Johnson show with Ron and I, or is it Ron and me with Ron and me Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, round table on Friday. Uh, Ron, have you ever been to London? I've not, I've not been to London. Can't say I have. Okay. I told myself that if the Vikings are back there in the next five years, 10 years, whatever it is, I'm going to make a point of going because it sounds cool. It looks cool. Arif is there and Luke Braun is, uh, is headed out there. Um, but we'll be watching back here in the States, Ron. Um, we were just talking about the quote unquote old guys on the Vikings defense, the Harrison Smiths, Eric Hendricks, Patrick Peterson, and how they're holding up in this new scheme. What are your thoughts on, on, uh, on those key Vikings veterans so far? Um, honestly, I, I, we don't know what the call is. So it's tough to always say this guy's wrong. This guy's right. I mean, Patrick Peterson called out PFF, uh, in his press conference saying, you know, these guys keep giving us certain grades and they have no idea what coverage we're in. They have no idea who actually made the mistake and who was trying to cover for somebody else's mistake. Um, that's why it's a team sport. Football is a team sport, especially on defense. Sometimes guys do things to help out another guy, not realizing, um, they put themselves in a bad position and ends up looking bad. But in my opinion, I, I think, you know, week three, they're, they're learning every week. They're getting better every week. Um, it, it, sometimes it takes time to jail. Uh, but you heard Ed Donatel talk about it. You heard Mike Pettin talk about it, that, you know, they're going to start to do more and more things with Daniel Hunters and Darius Smith. It, it's just taking time uh, to un, un, unveil, I guess, all of it. But, you know, slowly but surely, you're going to see more and more. Um, but I think Patrick Peterson – um, he, he's doing, for the most part, his job. A lot of times, uh, I feel like there's miscommunications versus just a guy blowing the coverage uh, and not understanding who's supposed to be on the deep third or who's supposed to be an impressed man. Uh, I thought I had safety help, and I don't have safety help. So I think some of those conversations are going to get better as the season goes on because Harrison Smith talked about it last year and I think every year. Hey, when we're not communicating or Mike Zimmer wants us to communicate uh, more because we're making too many mistakes. So I think that's the big issue right now. Luke, what do you got? 
Yeah, uh, Ron, a lot of discussion about the difference between the Saints and the Vikings traveling plans this week. Saints bolted for London Monday morning. Vikes aren't leaving until today after practice. And I get it. Like, the theory is the longer you're out there, the more fires you have to potentially put out. But as a former player, which game plan would you prefer just from a logistics standpoint? And I guess just overall, too, with these London games, what are the repercussion these teams have to deal with with all the travel? Because remember, the Vikes asked the schedules makers not to have their bye week coming back from London. London, which is what most teams get because it's so early in the season. So prepping for the Bears next week seems like a tough ripple effect, too. What are your thoughts on the whole London game? Well, they're going to get nine hours on a plane to game plan the Bears as soon as the Saints game ends. So I think that's going to be part of the prep. Uh, a lot of the coaches are going to have to stay awake and uh, get their prep out the way because I'm guessing they're going to want to sleep a little bit on Monday before they get back in the office. My guess is Monday afternoon, Monday night. Uh, so they can sleep during the day to kind of catch back up. But they have a sleep doctor or something. I know they have a commercial now with sleep number, and they have a sleep doctor kind of explaining to them uh, the benefits and, and what they should do. So I know this is not just, you know, flying by the seat of their pants. I think at the end of the day, uh, technology is so different now. Uh, guys are, are so much better at, at taking care of their bodies now. So I'm pretty sure they're going to do exactly what they need to do to get ready to go for a Sunday game. I mean, you have – Thursday to get on the plane, relax, rest. You'll have most of the day Friday to kind of rest, get a, a run through, get your body going again. You'll have a Saturday walk through and rest, and then you'll play Sunday. So, honestly, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, that's the Saints wanting to get over there and do more stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you do open yourself up to to issues of guys being out of the country, overseas, wanting to do some stuff, have some fun. Uh, you, you never know what might come up. So, I, I definitely understand trying to stay out of the headlines. I was wondering, so the Saints need to get right game. Their offense is in a terrible way. They've been making all kinds of mistakes. They The points scored is abysmal. They need to have like a get right kind of day. And I was wondering in your experience, what go, what goes into that? Have you ever just been like, man, we're slumping. We need a game and had that kind of that moment where it, where it all starts clicking. What What goes into that? What do you need to be looking for? Yeah, honestly, I think coaches point that out more so than players sometimes, just like pointing out where the issues are. So it could be uh, – and there could be small things like, hey, the center and guard, you guys aren't doing a great job of talking when you – I mean, we see it all the time when you see highlights of like these two guys went and blocked the same guy. A guy came scot-free. Uh, nobody blocked him. So that comes up all the time. So it could be the offensive line. Uh, it could be as simple as, hey, Jameis, you're not seeing – the checks you have to understand the fire blitz or you have to understand when this guy's in this gap we cannot run the ball this way um my my, my guess is there's going to be some mental things that he's doing as far as the interceptions goes um he's he's had it for another historic year if he continues at this pace uh four touchdowns five interceptions and and the biggest key to that was i think the bucks confused him and they know him and so familiarity is a huge benefit sometimes in the NFL when you know a player especially a quarterback and his defense has gone against them you know the things that confuse them the most and so you can kind of show him some looks to make him think otherwise and then he's going to give you some balls and the Bucks said it they said hey he's going to give us some balls so I don't know how many teams are as familiar as Jameis Winston as the Bucks are so that might have been lightning in a bottle for the Bucks, and and maybe you know the, the Saints aren't going to see that anymore but you know, fighting injury as well, that's going to be a key. If you can get him scared and off his spot and nervous about taking a hit or getting thrown to the ground, he's going to want to get ball, rid of the ball soon. Like Kind of like Eli Manning back when he came to U.S. Bank Stadium uh, years ago where they said, Eli's not going to take a sack, and he's also not going to throw an interception. And Eli grounded the ball probably five to six times. The minute somebody was coming, he knew he had no other option. He's not going to, you know. And I think Jameis, you can get him a little spooked as well. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if he's a guy that's going to ground the ball. I think he's a guy that's going to, you know, if he's getting pressured and he doesn't want to get hit, he's going to make a mistake. And so uh, it's good to have Harrison Smith back because I think they can uh, benefit from some of those deep balls he just throws up hoping somebody makes the catch. My, my question does relate back to travel. I assume that, you know, kind of the longest you travel is probably an East Coast to West Coast trip or something like that. Um, when, when you travel that much, when it's like four time zones, which obviously, you know, this is, this is you know, six, I think. Um, when you travel that much, how do you make sure, because your body is going to be right to, to play at a certain period of time and it's not going to be right. How do you make sure that your body is, is ready to go when it needs to be? Because the Vikings are going to be playing, I think like 8.30 central time, um, 8.30 AM, which is just not very usual. How do you make sure that your body is like in a good spot where it's ready to, to play football at, you know, full speed? 
Yeah, no, for sports, I've never had to travel that far. Uh, I did go to Beijing, though, back in 2008 for the Olympics with my wife when she was in the Olympics, and Lindsey Whalen was over there. And uh, I think for them, it was honestly, it was like two to three days before their bodies caught back up to get ready to compete. Um, again, I go back to the sleep number thing, the sleep doctor they've, you know, bought in. I, I know PJ Fleck has a sleep therapist as well, and they talk about music levels when you're on the plane and how much, you know, sleep. If you're not going to get a full, you know, whatever, I think it's six to seven or eight hours, uh, you don't want to take more than a, it's like an hour or 90 minute nap. So there's all these weird things to keep your body from getting groggy. Uh, my guess is Kevin O'Connell being new age, he's, He's looked into all that stuff for the players and, and made sure the sleep numbers, preparing these guys with pillows for the plane, uh, you know, the weighted blankets, whatever they need uh, to figure out, hey, are you going to sleep through this night or are you, what are you going to do? They're getting all that prepared so that when they land, their bodies are ready to go. I mean, I've seen the Gophers do things getting off the plane uh, for like a simple three-hour flight to get the guys' bodies right for the next day's game. So there's all kinds of things that these therapists now have looked into and researched, whether it works or not. We'll see. But, yeah, I think, honestly, at the end of the day, you have to trust the therapist. They get paid to do this. They research it for a living. And uh, the Vikings clearly have found somebody to do it for them. Ron, I know you got to get in and out. Uh, you can hear Ron's breakdown of this game in more detail tomorrow on the roundtable with Reggie Wilson, Luke Inman, and myself. We'll also talk Gophers-Purdue. And, Ron, I think we're a couple weeks away from needing to break down whether the Gophers can slow down Bryce Young in the college football playoff. <laughs> they got to slow hey, down C.J. Stroud first. CJ yeah, Stroud you know, you're right. <laughs> yep, quarterback uh, gauntlet right there. Uh, oh, at yeah. 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter. Thanks a lot for joining us, Ron. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Every Thursday, Ron Johnson joins the Minnesota football party. Uh, How about fun question that? How about them gophers? Skyuma. <laughs> Skyuma. Um, one fun question, and then we get into our gambling for the week. Bucks Chiefs, looking like it might stay in Tampa Bay. I think it's staying in Tampa Bay. If it had been played at U.S. Bank Stadium, would you attend? And whose jersey would you be repping in that game? Jarek McKinnon. There is a I mean, I, absolutely. I, yes. Yeah, it's got to be Jet, That's the baby. correct answer. Numero uno. Got to be yeah. Jet. Home, jersey, all red, yes. number one, Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, I think I would take Mahomes. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> You're going chalk? All right, fair enough. Take, yeah. yeah, go chalk. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no Bucks backers in this group. No one's wearing a Winfield? The Winfield actually was on my mind. It was, it was going to be my number two, yeah. but... That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. But, you they know, as Tyler Vikings Johnson's fans, it's like though. your second favorite team is right. not allowed to be in the NFC. So I think those are the rules. You got to pick a AFC team to root for after the Vikes. So uh, I, I think that's why we all kind of lean Chiefs. But yeah, if I was going Bucks, so yeah, I think I would rock the Winfield for sure. Have to. Have to. Mm -hmm. Here's where we're at with our gambling contest. If you're new to the contest, a thousand mythical dollars to begin the season. We make one bet against the spread and one over under. You can bet maximum this week, four hundred minimum forty dollars. Uh, here's where it stands. We've all lost money. Luke Inman, you've lost the least money. You are three and three after three weeks. Your bankroll is at nine sixteen. Luke Braun, you were 0-1-1 last week. Your bankroll is at 863 and change. I was 1-1 one one last week. I'm at 810. And Arif Hassan. Oh, hey, oh goodness. Let's go. 1-5. 1-5 total. Bankroll 414. So Look at that. this is the situation we're in. We need to come up with, A, a punishment for the loser of this contest at year's end. We need to ha get that soon. We also need a punishment if you have to go into the negative dollars because a reef is closing in on that number um, and maybe even going into it this week. We'll see if he gets conservative on us. Uh, Luke Inman, you are the starter this week, and you've kind of been going with your over-under first and then doing the spread second. What is your strategy going to be this track? week? Yeah, what? I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Is, that is that a thing? Um, <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> Betting analytics By the way, here, I, but not for – yeah. Making better bets just for tracking. Still, the I, he's yeah, I still think I got robbed. I thought, 
I thought that Vikings over under was 51 and a half when I locked it up last week, but apparently uh, you're telling me otherwise, but all right, that's fine. Um, I got an idea, by the way, for the Arif punishment. If he goes in the red, if he goes in negative dollars, I think he should have to sit down somebody, a significant other family member, whoever it may be, and, and have a conversation and videotape it and pretend like this is real money and sit them down and have a serious conversation. Like, <laughs> guys, I got a gambling problem. I've lost $688 already this year. I got a problem. You got to record it and you got to send it to us. You got to post it. That's my <laughs> idea I'm throwing out off. there anyways. We still got to think of a good loser punishment though. Um, all right. Well, you know, I'm getting called out for going over under first. So now I'm feeling self-conscious about it. I will go with my spread line first. I'm going to take the Jags plus six and a half. Something about Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, Doug Peterson this year. Um, maybe the Eagles are due for just a little bit of a regression here. Uh, Jags plus six and a half. That's at minus 110. I believe I'm going to go $200. I'm going to stay yeah. consistent and go $200 bet again. All right. Arif. I locked in. Uh, I didn't say I locked in. I chose my bet this morning. It was going to be on the Chiefs-Buccaneers game, but I'm betting that the line has changed now that we've got uh, potentially updated news on the venue being back in Tampa Bay. So I'm double-checking that real quick to see if that's changed. Pick them. Em. Em. It's a pick em now. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so uh, And it's at minus 110 pick them? Yeah, um, minus, no, minus 108. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's great. Cause I was going to buy the chiefs at minus one. Now I can buy them at pick them. Um, no, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and, uh, I think when you're losing, you have to be aggressive, right? So, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in my max is 400. Let's throw in 400. Woo! Let's go. He is yeah. risking it all, wow. baby. You, ha- all right, you have right. to, right? My goal is not to not be last. My goal is to win. All right, yeah. Well, that, we're going to have to come up with that punishment then ASAP. All right, Luke Braun. I actually did make a bet earlier in the week, and I got in on the Dolphins with more points. Um, the So Tua Tagovailoa might not play. If he does, he is his record against the spread as an underdog is unreal. Uh, and if he doesn't play, it's Teddy Spreadwater. And the line That's does true. not appear to know which quarterback is playing. Um, they are currently underdogs by three and a half points at Cincinnati. Uh, of course, Cincinnati's been kind of struggling. They just beat the Jets, but who doesn't? Um, so I'm taking Miami Dolphins plus three and a half, minus 115. And I'll stick with Real the, quick uh, before you get to the dollar. Sorry, I cut you off. What, what was the number? Uh, minus 115, and I'm putting 100 on it. All right, so my question about Teddy Spreadwater, is that a Mike Zimmer stat or a Teddy Bridgewater stat? Has it followed him? It is a Teddy Bridgewater stat. Mm, okay. Good question, it though. has maybe even gotten better after the Vikings. It is very much The first year with Sean Payton was insane. Wasn't he covering yeah. virtually every week? Yeah, it was 5-0 in that stat when uh, Drew Brees got the same injury or Smith has. And, and do you, off the top of your head, do you know his record against the spread? Is in a like 60, 70%? Something Off the like top that. of my head, but it's like, yeah, it's like 67%. I don't know the Crazy. exact numbers, but it's insane. The 2015 Vikings Crazy. set him up for a long time to have yeah. a, a, an above average <clears throat> spread record. So Reef yeah. stole the Chiefs from me. Um, Luke, by the way, more gambling analytics. I think you've ridden the Jaguars three different weeks, if not every week. Hey. Well, that's wild. So... I've been on the Ravens train along with Arif. We've both been battling over the Ravens, but I'm going to back off that because it is the Bills, um, and I don't (laughs) – That's the same thought process. Yeah, I mean, home dogs, though, for Baltimore? No, I still – I like the Bills a lot. So I'm going to go with the team that doesn't have a win because I just think Russell Wilson's bad right now, and the Broncos seem all out of sorts. So I'm going to go with – the home favorite Raiders minus two and a half and minus 115 for $112. And I get to pick twice on the wraparound. Uh, do I want to just put it on the Vikings just so it's more fun to watch over under 43 Vikings offense has been slumpy. The saints have also been bad. I'm going to go 
under 43 in London. Vikings and Saints. I can't stand any. Of, like, I hate all of these over-unders. Uh, sorry, yeah, 100 really well said. I hate them. I'm going to go 90, $99 on that. What? Okay. Weird. Weird numbers. I hate I hate that uh, we're so attached to round numbers in this society. I'm trying to buck the trend. I'm an agitator. You know what? Fair enough. Um, I, it's just like all of these, there's so many bad offenses in the league. I feel like I just want to take a team, two teams with crappy offenses and take their under, even if it's a low number. So I'll, I'll go like bears giants under 39 and a half and just assume that game is going to end like 13 to 16. But I hate all How of much? these and I don't feel very confident in them. So I'm only going to put 50 on it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, Bears Giants was uh, was on my list of potential over unders to take, and I was going to take the under there too. Um, but luckily, they were my second choice. My first choice was the under on Seahawks Lions. Um, that Lions offense is really fun to watch, but it just does not seem sustainable to me. And Geno Smith is playing like a dink and dunk game manager. It feels like there's a lot of opportunities to not have a ton of points. Um, plus, the Lions can easily kind of snowball themselves out of points. When they go for it on fourth down a ton, maybe they're not going to be as successful on fourth down. So there's going to be a lot of points potentially left on the board. Um, so I'm going to take the under there. It's minus 110, the dollar value. I need to be aggressive. I'm not as confident about this one, um, but I need to be aggressive. So I'm going to do $300. 700 bones on the table, wow. baby. I like it. Hey, you can to. get it all I back. No matter what's happened up to this point, you can get it all back this week. That I is like the it. responsible way to gamble. Lucan. I, I I don't know who it was. Um, I think it was maybe Warren Sharp tweeted out. Somebody tweeted out that the unders through three weeks have hit more this year than they have in like the last five, six, seven years. Um, yeah, offense of will come around. I'm, 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 yeah, should come around. Of course, I'm not going to listen to that logic. I'm going against the grain. The Ravens Bills have the highest over under of the week at 51. I'm going to hit the over um, for 200 bones, and that is at. That was my third choice. I was going to take the under. Ooh. All right. That's wild. Luke, Jags, Ravens, Bills, Arif, Chiefs, Seahawks, Lions, Braun, Dolphins, and Bears, Giants, Sam, Raiders, and Vikings, Saints. I feel horrible about mine. All right. Those are the picks this week. We will report back on Monday. And we will end this show with some party fouls and some animation leading into it. I'm I'm gonna get the uh, I'm gonna get the easy one out of the way. Frankie Lasagna just missed catching that Aaron Judge home run ball number 61 tying Roger Maris's record. Um, I, if you haven't seen it, you got to go watch it. But had the glove, had the location, tracked the ball, just missed it. Me personally, I don't know how far that drop was, how big that wall is, 10, 12, 15 feet. I'm making that jump and I'm going for it. It's a couple million. Right? I'm I'm a moron. Who's Frankie Lasagna? Uh, he's the guy who dropped the uh, Aaron Judge home run ball uh, in Toronto no, last but, night. No, I know that, but what is the name? Is that like something we call people that drop home runs? What no, is that that's name? That's his real name. That's his real name, he, and he owns an Italian restaurant. Yeah, that's all, that's all 100% true. So We're this is a famous person. No, well, right. he's doing great. No. Well, he's famous <laughs> now. He's famous now. They just figured out what his name was. And it turned I think out that's a joke, guys. Seriously. <laughs> that's a joke. That's a guy, a barstool, barstool personality. And I think they, they, just, they just said that. So are we, I double check that. Are we still on this? No way. I saw, I Damn saw it. Rasta pasta. I check marks. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I've been dragged into here. I saw the guy miss the ball. I don't know if so. He's he's not an actually famous person. What are the odds of that? He's not like famous, but after he dropped the ball, obviously some people started to try to dig up. All right, who was this guy? This is going to be a bit. This is going to be a story. Who are you? What's your background? What's your name? <laughs> Apparently, his name's Frankie Lasagna, and he owns an Italian restaurant. This is reported in there actual newspapers. That his name is Frankie Lasagna. A can so it's so it's a Blue Jays fan. So it's a Canadian uh, newspaper. 
Blue Jays fan Frankie Lasagna grabbed a baseball glove from his garage before heading down to Rogers. They interviewed the guy. This is real name. Is this real like Dan Campbell's drunk quotes are real? Because that was also dragged into question. Um, yeah, so it turns out that, that was uh, real. But, but like, Dan Campbell <laughs> said the thing, and he didn't mean it. So it turns out, actually, that was real. So sorry, Sam. But also, they interviewed the guy, and he said his name is Frankie Lasagna. The, uh, the original information comes from a Canadian reporter. Okay, so let me let me just summarize the last mi two minutes of absolute chaos. A man <laughs> dropped the ball. I saw this. He brought his glove. He dropped the ball. He lost out mm -hmm. on probably a lot of money. That sucks for him. We didn't know mm -hmm. the name until after the fact. He had no fame correct. before the moment, and now he has that fame because he's just got like a Bartman, crazy name. Cubs. Yes. All right. Okay. Luke Braun or Arif. We're off the rails. Go ahead, Arif. Uh, Luke's still looking for his. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dip back into an <laughs> old well. I'm gonna pick Brett Favre again. This time, illegally funneling charity money as opposed to state money, um, which is what he was doing before. Back into that uh, University of Southern Mississippi uh, athletic facility, the volleyball athletic facility, which includes funding for the locker room, the uh, the Favre for Hope Foundation. Uh, donated more than $130,000 to the USM Athletic Foundation. Of course, charities are entitled to donate to universities, but this violated uh, federal charity law, or at least it likely violated charity law, which hasn't been determined yet, because that is not the explicit mission statement, nor any of the things that the charity had promised to do. It is designed to provide kids with food, which this, of course, did not do. Um, so, uh, in addition to the Mississippi welfare scandal, in addition to uh, taking on money for speeches, and in addition to, uh, you know, apparently knowing that all of this is a problem, he funneled charity money into what must be the best volleyball facility on the planet. <laughs> so, that's my party foul. Bounty Gate was God's plan. <laughs> Arif, Arif uses oh, the party foul to, to oh. discuss like real problems in society and we're talking about frankie lasagna hey the, the frankie <laughs> lasagna was my first pick too so i i did say right away let's get the easy one out of the way right away i figured everybody yeah. would, would have that at the top of the list uh i'm gonna go with anyone who thinks cooper rush should start over dak prescott cowboys media at large why is this a talking point what are you guys doing what because jerry jones said it that's why it's a talking point Oh my God! Then it goes to Jerry Jones. I didn't know. I just thought it was like bluster yeah. from Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, I mean, he, oh did, my he God, didn't say Jerry Cooper Jones. Rush should outright start over Dak Prescott, but he's like, "Yeah, at the end of this, we're gonna have a quarterback controversy." I love it, and it's like, okay. Thanks, oh my dude. God, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is so much Braun worse than I thought. And I already hands was on head mode. It's great. Yeah. Speaking of oh party fouls, didn't Jerry Jones have a, a viral photo of him trying to take a selfie? and going horribly wrong. I think that happened this week. That's go back of, and look at the, it. Of the Jerry Jones viral photos. That's not the one I immediately thought of. I'm going to be honest. There's probably a collection out there and I, I do not care to look through them. Um, but we're going to go. I don't want to lose our eyes was, by talking about them in detail. That was an insane <laughs> segment. Um, Thank you for sticking with us, the two of you who probably lasted through that. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Luke Braun will be in London. Arif Hassan will be coming back from London. We'll, uh, we'll sort things out, maybe get some guests on next week as our travel schedules get uh, arranged. Luke Inman, you'll be in the States. Uh, breakfast at my place, Luke, Sunday. Get some bacon going, some French Lock. toast. Lock it up, baby. All right, perfect. Uh, we're going to have a great time. For Luke Inman, Luke Braun, Arif Hassan, and big thanks to Ron Johnson, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching, and uh, so long. Enjoy the game. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.